0: From Quoted Studios, this is Blank on Blank, distributed by the public radio exchange PRX.org. I'm David Gerlock. So Larry Grobel told me this story about a time back in the early 1980s when he borrowed a swimsuit at the Playboy Mansion. It seems that back then, Hugh Hefner kept spare trunks at the ready whenever his guests felt the urge to test the waters beneath the famous grotto. It was there that Larry took an impromptu plunge, all at the request of Patty Hearst. It was
1: Christy Hafner who set it up, and she called me and said, why don't I come over? Patty Hearst is coming with her husband, and uh, maybe she'll do a Playboy interview. We'll see. And after breakfast, Patty wanted to go into the grotto, so we went into the grotto, and it was there that I asked her if she would want to do this interview, and she said, okay, she would do it.
0: And it was a huge get. I mean, back then, everyone was fighting to land the first sit-down with Patty Hearst after she'd gotten out of prison. This was after it had all happened, the heiress to the Hearst fortune, kidnapped in 1974 by a group of revolutionaries, calling themselves the Simbanese Liberation Army. After 57 days of being their prisoner, she declared her allegiance to the SLA on the radio, and days later she was caught on camera carrying a gun and robbing a bank with her captors. Hearst became an infamous fugitive wanted by the FBI. Finally, after 17 months on the run, she was arrested. Now, everybody wanted to know what the real story was. Was she a victim or a criminal?
1: Those were the questions I had, you know, and I didn't think I'd have a cracker. I didn't think that Patty Hearst knew for sure. Whether she was brainwashed or not, or whether she just had an adventure that was something so far removed from her life, you know, that she started seeing their point of view. So I didn't want to go in thinking she was guilty, she was innocent, or any of that. I I wanted to really try to cover the story. What happened?
0: Patty Hearst was convicted of bank robbery in 1976, but she served less than two years of her seven-year term. Um, that's because President Carter commuted her sentence. So now, three years later, Patty Hearst is sitting for an interview with Larry Grobel with a baby on her lap.
2: Okay, okay,
3: okay. I uh, thought maybe she, uh, she was going to hold her little. You're so good. You probably want a bottle,
1: huh? Uh, Having a baby around is cute, but it's not necessarily conducive to doing an in-depth interview. Can I really press her now? Can I try to make her cry or get overly emotional? Not really.
0: Luckily, Larry also got some time on tape with Patty without the baby, too, so there was plenty of opportunity for all those hard questions. Let's get right to the tape.
2: The honest thing about your celebrity was that you were a celebrity who couldn't be seen. You were in hiding all the time. You could not have appeared at all. You know, once you appeared, you were,
1: the right. was over.
2: What about the time you were driving with Bill in Sacramento, and the woman says, do you look like Patty Hearst? We were
3: walking, and she was in the car. And she pulled up and asked for some directions. And she just looked and looked, and then said, you know, you look so much like Patty Hearst. <laughs> Eek. Did
2: you say anything at oh, all? Were you able
3: no. to? I didn't say anything. And Bill Harris just said, yeah, you know. You people say that all the time. I really thought we could have won the case until final arguments. <sighs> I mean, that's virtually no closing argument. I mean, I think that's where it was finally lost, was right then. Ultimately, they've got 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 to to prove, they've got to prove reasonable doubt, you know, reasonable doubt. Is it reasonable to assume that someone who has been locked in a closet for 57 days after being kidnapped, brutalized, raped, abused, then they say, you're going to rob a bank now? I mean, is that reasonable to assume that that person had the free will to go out and willingly, I mean, you're talking about reasonable doubt.
2: Why did the SLA first call you Marie Antoinette? Um,
3: because of the, you know, let them eat cake. That That's why. I mean, that's how they felt about me. But mm-hmm. I just was so oblivious to everything that by my lifestyle I was saying let them eat cake. But
2: well, your lifestyle really wasn't a rich lifestyle. It's only the image of it, right? you lifestyle. Not <laughs> just
3: some dumb kid going to college. <laughs> How does
2: and handle a pipe bomb? Is it, is it easy to make one? Yes, it is. It's amazingly easy. And
3: it's amazingly I mean, easy to get all the parts to make
2: them. If you could have erased it, the kidnapping, the birth of Tanya, becoming the most famous fugitive in the world or in the United States, the guerrilla skills you learn, the radicalization, feminization, living life on the edge, jail, the trial, prison, would you like to have erased it all?
3: I mean, there are some days when I think, ugh, there's always some days when you wish things had never happened, <laughs> like you've never been born, that sort of thing. Yeah. No, but I'm not the kind of person anyway that can just sit around and say, oh, gee, I wish that had never happened. I don't. I don't ever do that. There's no point. That is a total and complete waste of time.
2: What were the circumstances surrounding the times you were hit?
3: Oh, you know, made some sassy remark, or didn't move fast enough, or, you know, was disrespectful to my leader.
2: Was it a back slap, or was it a fist punch it in the eye? It was a
3: punch.
2: Right in the eye? Yeah. Did he have H-80 else in the, the face? Or the
3: stomach, or, you know.
2: I mean, you're so fragile. If I punched you in the eye, I, I would be afraid I'd crack your whole face. How No, hard I got you? hit in the
3: face with a gun. I'm not very fragile at all. <laughs> It makes me think maybe things would be easier if I were terribly frail and fragile somehow.
2: I just want to straighten out a few facts. You were a willing participant in the bank robbery at that time.
3: Well, but you can't separate them like that. You can't say we're not talking about your uh, the threats that you were under. They said if I didn't do it, they'd kill me. In a sense I became as much of a believer as I was capable of becoming but you're talking about someone too who really has no free will anymore mm-hmm. that's when we're getting into that thing about um, traumatic neurosis with dissociative features is Is, is who the actual name for what happened to me what everyone calls brainwashing that is the actual name for it
2: wasn't like you in the fog. Oh, no, it, it
3: wasn't like I was in a fog right. and, you know, didn't know what was happening. Right. You know, like, where am I? <laughs> right. I mean, at the same time, I mentally and emotionally, I was not fully in control of myself. Right.
2: You made a conscious choice to stay alive in the SLA and whatever mm-hmm. it took to stay alive, you were going to do it. Even if it meant killing other people, it blowing up police cars, uh, shooting up males, uh, sporting goods shop. It didn't. Uh,
3: It didn't. It It never came came up. Well, it
2: came close, though.
3: It didn't. When did it come close? At Mel's it came close. It didn't come close at Mel's.
2: You shot right above everybody and below everybody. It came close. That's close, Patty.
3: There was never a thought of kill or be killed. Never. Not ever. I don't know that I would ever choose to kill.
1: Did it take guts to
2: join the SLA? Would it have taken more guts not to have joined, to have resisted and eventually I tried think to escape? I
3: crazy to not have joined because I knew they would have just killed okay. me. That doesn't take guts. To, <laughs> will you do this or would you rather be dead? Well, gee, I'd rather be with you. <laughs> I mean, I think I'd still have take much more guts to say never. I'd rather die.
0: I'm sorry,
3: I'm a coward. You know, I didn't want to die. <laughs>
0: That's Patty Hearst on Reasonable Doubt. Larry Grobel has hours and hours of just remarkable interview tape from his sessions with Patty. It was really hard to decide what to bring to you, so we've posted more excerpts from the interview on our website, blankonblank.org. There you can also read the rest of Larry's story about his mission at the Playboy Mansion. And be sure to watch the animated version of this episode. It's our series with PBS Digital Studios. We had a great time uh, putting it together. There's also a link to Larry's book, Signing In, and includes 50 of Larry's celebrity profiles from over the years. Thanks as always to Amy Drozdovska for producing this episode with me. If you've been following us on Facebook and Instagram, you might have seen that we posted a photo of Patty Hearst and Johnny Depp together on the set of the John Waters film, Cry Baby. Uh, For more nuggets that we uncover, find us at blank on blank. Before we go, here's one more bit from the interview. Patty Hurst talks about guns.
1: How much of a markswoman
2: are you getting out to guns for a minute? Did you tell me <laughs> you one shot to two turkeys with one shot? I mean, how about that one?
3: I like deer, and um, but we eat everything we shoot. Okay. <laughs> People who have never gone hunting have a tendency to look down on hunters and act like they're out killing Bambi's father. But isn't you it have terrible
2: to, try- to do? I mean, this poor deer, it's a beautiful animal, I mean. Why not just buy steak? You what
3: have else? to have gone hunting you... to know the excitement of, of seeing someone get their first deer. It's a thrill for them. It is. It's.
2: What else would you like? Would you feel satisfied shooting?
3: Oh, okay. well, maybe you. A... No. <laughs> <laughs> um, that um, yeah. stays in! <laughs> <laughs>